Welcome to College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast focused on NCAA collegiate soccer, featuring SMU head women's coach Chris Petroselli and Old Miss head women's coach Mad Mod. You can download and listen to this podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And if you like what you hear, leave a five-star review and tell your soccer friends. Now let's go to Coach Petroselli and Coach Mott. Welcome, everybody, into another episode of College Soccer Nation. My name is Matt Mott, one of the hosts of the show. Uh, we're bringing to you uh, Monday, finally back on a Monday. I want to bring in our other co-host, Chris Petroselli. Chris, how are you tonight on this Monday evening? Oh, I'm good, Matt. I'm excited for it. It looks like we got a uh, super show tonight. Right, our good friend James yeah. Armstrong coming on as uh, yeah. as the guest. Yeah, he's going to be fun. James is always fun, and he's got he's got this great personality, and he's funny, and uh, you know we have a long history, really, really back to when we when we were both at Texas, and mm-hmm. it's where I met him for the first time, and um, a great guy, and you know, he coached both of our kids, yeah, you know, some of our some form of our kids, sure. uh, back in the day. So pretty pretty cool. All right, so. Um, we How about the power five? Last... How about the power, oh, pre- power, power five, five power... course? Yeah, Chris is excited about this power five. He's taking me on, I think. He's taking <laughs> me on. The power five this week is top five donuts. Donuts. I think if you look at our little caricature, you would think I would have a little better handle <laughs> on the donuts than Chris would. Uh, so uh, we'll we're going to see how it shapes up. But I feel very confident about my five i'm not gonna lie to you my you say five that every week every week i do but i i'll say this i'm so confident that when i was writing mine up i was thinking i'm bringing donuts in for my staff tomorrow <laughs> it's not so dang good the ones i was coming up with but anyway we're, we're gonna open up with a new segment that we want to add to the show we're always trying to innovate chris and get better each week um so what we want to do is say to anybody that's listening if you have a question for the show Send us an email and we will answer the question on the show. So if you have a question, you might have a tactical question about soccer or you might have what, Chris? What are some other examples? You might have a personal question. Like you might want to know when Matt started growing his goatee. (laughs) Or you might want to know when Chris started getting gray hair. Yep. And the answer would be as soon as Matt showed up. But well, it's funny that it's funny you say that because honest to God, your picture on the outside of your office in Texas, you didn't have gray hair. Yeah, but when I walked in the office, it got a lot grayer. Anyway, um, yeah, so ask us a question. So if you want to email us, our emails are at the end of the show. You can uh, shoot us an email. We'd be happy to ask it. But I, what we're going to do, which I think will be even more fun, is um, if no one asks a question, then Matt gets to ask Chris a stupid question. Chris has <laughs> I don't to know answer. why I get punished by this. How I got <laughs> this is punishment for me. <laughs> no, so I get to ask you a question. You have to answer it, and it can be. It's you know more than likely going to be. You're going to think it's stupid. I think it's pretty good. Okay, you ready for this week's? Uh, um, and and then I'm going to be fair with everybody. I've not heard this question, so this he's not heard. No, first he's not time heard I've heard question. it, and okay. I'm kind of scared. Okay, here we go. Yep. What extreme sport would you play, and why? What I don't even know, like you know, extreme sports, are? extreme sports, like snowboarding or uh, you know, uh, skateboarding or like you know, snowmobile jumping, or there's all kinds of them. <laughs> those are three, those are you know, like going down those big uh, half pipes, stuff like that's extreme sport. Extreme sports. So this is like the X games, right? Yes. Yes. I've never watched them. I never watched them. You, well, you know what they are. I know what they are. It's where all these guys, they're like, you know, smoking weed and then they go do their <laughs> stuff. 
<laughs> uh, like you know the BMX guys, you know the BMX guys. Yeah. All right. Um, I have to answer your question. So yes, I'll go with um, what's the um, like the the snowboarding thing where they do like uh, the moguls. No, they like jump they, over the like hills. They would on skateboards, right? Yeah, a the half, half pipe, pipe or something. Yeah, yeah I whatever think it's that is. Half pipe, isn't it? I don't, I don't see. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. But I would go with that one because you like fly up in the air and you spin around and all that kind of stuff. So you think you'd be good at it? I think there was a day where I'd be good at it. Oh, okay. But I don't think there's, I don't <laughs> think there's any chance I'd be good at it right now. <laughs> so, so there was a day you would be good at the half pipe, but snowboarding. You did some snowboarding? Never snowboarded in my life. You just feel like you're out Never skied in my so- life. Your athleticism is so high level that you'd be able to pick uh, it you up. You know, no Matt, I, I'm, I'm a confident guy. I'm a, yeah. <laughs> I have to believe in my own abilities. You don't believe in my abilities, so I have to believe in my own abilities. <laughs> okay, I like it. This is going to be a great section. Let, let, me, let me rephrase. Nobody send us in questions so I can ask yeah. you a question every week. All right, let's move on. we got a lot to get to tonight. It's going to be a good show. Yep. Um, let's bring in the big deal, the Mr. 300, right? Bradley. Yes, Brian Lee. How are you doing, buddy? How are you tonight? Brian, you're on Brian, mute. Brian, you're on mute, I think. Started really well, Brian. So far, so uh, good. Well, the that's the first I'd heard about this new segment. <laughs> and so, you know, you for those people it, don't who don't know, no, that was a terrible start. So Chris <laughs> Chris is, you know, he's He's got gray hair. He's a, I don't know what, 47-year-old man, Chris. Mm-hmm. How old are you? How old am yeah. I? I'm not 47, I'll tell you that. Yeah, 47 years young, gray hair. He's been through a couple health issues, a couple heart attacks. And and Matt's question is, what extreme sport would you do? It's your one shot. Next week, people are sending in questions. Your one shot was, are you going to do the half pipe or the skateboard races or whatever? That's the best yeah. you had? Yeah, really? That's the best he's got. I, yeah, I was going to ask him oh. some other ones, but that's the only one I had that was any good. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. boy. Oh, boy. Well, Brian, I, I, I've got uh, I got a question for you, okay? But I want I want to wait. I want you to wait to answer it, all right? Okay. We're gonna, I'm going to ask you this question. We're going to talk about some of the games that went on and that kind of thing, and then we'll come back to the question, okay? So the question is um, – has COVID forced the arrival of parity in, mm-hmm. in soccer? Okay. So yep. um, think about that as we talk a little bit. So uh, let's start in, in the big 10. Um, I think, you know, last week we were touting the uh, exploits of Indiana and Penn state beats Indiana. Um Rutgers has a good win over uh, Oklahoma State. I'm sorry, Ohio State. Uh, Purdue today with an upset over Wisconsin. So at the moment, you know, Penn State and Rutgers have an early track on the championship. Rutgers has uh, the head-to-head result, but nobody in the league is is unbeaten. So the the big the Big Ten has been uh, basically beating each other up. Yeah, absolutely. Fourteen teams. Nobody's unbeaten. Two teams on one loss. That's it. Through five games, they've each played. Yeah. So parity is in the Big Ten, that's for sure. For sure. Um, The Pac-12, first of all, 
Um, any thoughts on the Pac-12 that, you know, they're playing this Friday, Sunday format, which we did at one time, but um, I think it's affecting those games. Don't you? Well, and you know, we all know the back end of a Friday, Sunday is just slug fest and, you know, the soccer goes away and it's who can stand up last. So certainly that's affecting the results. But, I mean, you're staring at the, the Pac-12, same thing. You've got through three games, there's one unbeaten team, yeah. UCLA, that needed a late winner to do it against Oregon State. Yeah, they're the only team that without a blemish on their record. And, you know, when you get, again, Colorado gets a big win over Cal on, on Friday, and then Stanford beats Colorado on, on, on Sunday. And, you know, we had, you know, Stanford's, a week ago or so, they lost the two games in Oregon. So, um, again, you got the same sort of situation happening in in, in the Pac-12. Um, the other game I think that that uh, stuck out for me this weekend was uh, Oklahoma State and St. Louis. Right, St. Louis coming off of the Arkansas win, and and Oklahoma State ends up ends up winning in in overtime. And I know you watched some of that as well. Yeah, I did. Yep, yep, yep. Very impressed with St. Louis. Yeah. Yeah. And Oklahoma State, um, it's every year like they it's them uh, and South Carolina are the two best teams in the country at winning one nil. I mean, constantly. Yep. You you said it halfway through the St. Louis game, and I think we were both watching it. And St. Louis looked great to me. If we're quotation marks saying, you know, who's the better soccer playing team of those two? Yeah, despite being an A-10 team playing a Big 12 team and one of the best Big 12 teams, St. Louis looked great, passing, moving, knocking it around. But Colin had Oklahoma State set up so well to play on the break. And when they got a chance, it was a good one. And uh, I think you called 1-0 Oklahoma State uh, yeah. fairly early in that, and there it was. Seen it, I've seen it many times. There, Oklahoma State, to me, is just really interesting because they don't really – they don't care to have the ball. They don't really want the ball. You know, they, they want you to have the ball and, and, and they're going to, they're going to be really organized defensively. And they know at some point you're going to, you're going to make a mistake and, and they're going to make you pay for it. Yep. Yeah. They, they, the analogy with them in South Carolina is very apropos. Yeah. I think you don't want to fall behind either ooh, ooh, of those teams. One that's night. a good word right there. Apropos. There you I go. Like that, Brian. I like that. <laughs> Thank you. So when we look at, you know, when we look at the sort of those examples, right, I'm going to go back to my original question now. Like, do you feel like COVID has forced some parity in these leagues? Well, I think COVID has forced parity in all the college sports that aren't football. So I think you're seeing in men's basketball right now, loud and clear, that the Dukes and the North Carolinas and the Kansases haven't been what they they've been in the past in a COVID situation. And um, I think parity's here for it. We, what we don't know, we know when someone doesn't play without somebody, but we don't know when that kid has missed five days or, you know, through quarantine or a kid has had some emotional or mental stress placed on them by COVID in their family or, or the threat of being quarantined, you know, as they go through some early testing when you're doing the contact tracing. So there's all these intangibles that we don't know that creates parity. And we're trying to play college sports. That's, you know, based on, you know, an equality system that, that really doesn't exist in spring 2021 for soccer. So it's kind of a mess. 
It really is. It really is. Okay, I want to move on. We we talked last week about this RPI thing, and 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 I can't get over it. So we're going to talk some more about it <laughs> um, because I I, I think it's it, you know that that if the selection committee is going to use the RPI for selection, and there's no indication that they're not going to, um, that I think it's an actual an absolute joke. So I have some examples. Um, example number one. If you look at the current RPI, um, Western Michigan, New Mexico, UT Martin, Eastern Michigan, Butler, Kent State, um, Long Island University, Loyola, all show up in the RPI before Florida State and UCLA. Florida State and UCLA showing up at whatever it is, nine or 10. Um, To me, that's a pretty good example of the uh, formula is flawed. Would you agree with that? Well, we've all known the formula is flawed forever. You know, it's not a good system when we're playing 18 to 20 games. So now with 10 to 12 games, it, it obviously it's going to be, it's going to be a bit of a mess. And when you've got teams that have played two games and teams that have played 12 games or 17 games, it doesn't make any sense. Um, however, at some point, You've got to figure out how are we picking these 18, 19 at-large teams. And our committees historically aren't watching the games, nor, you know, a decent bit of the committees aren't qualified to watch the games and make decisions based on which teams are better. Because if you watch Oklahoma State, St. Louis, without a trained eye, you would say, we talked about that game, you would say, oh, St. Louis is better. They kept the ball more. Oklahoma State's not trying to keep the ball. You have to know what they're trying to do. And in the end, Oklahoma State's probably going to win that game seven, eight times out of ten. Right. But if a layman's watching that game, they would would think St. Louis is the better team. So, you know, the structure of our committee isn't built to analytically watch the games as soccer people. So we need some system that helps it out. And here we are. Western Michigan's number one. Yeah, I can't do it. (laughs) Again, let me give you example number two. I've got three examples. Example number two, North Carolina, 11 and one, beat every team in in the ACC, only lost to Florida State. Um, They're number 21. There's, you mean to tell me there's 20 teams out there that are better than North Carolina? I just don't see it. I, I don't think so. I'm going to give you example number three. TCU had a fantastic fall, right? Beat everybody in the um, in the Big 12, 8-0-1, the only tied a, a good Baylor team. They're number 31. 31. Like, what else would they have to do, right? They, they can't do much more. And they're and they're sitting at at thirty one. I think when I look at these examples, you just have to throw the thing out. Just throw it out. Find something else. Do something else. Take the thing, set it on fire, put it in the trash. Don't even look at it. Okay, it's my turn, Chris. Oh, <laughs> oh, here we go. Oh, God, no, no. In all seriousness, right? In all seriousness, yeah. for both question for both of you. I, I I do not disagree with anything you said. So how do you do it? Look, I, I I can tell I don't know that I have the answer how to do it, but I can tell you how you shouldn't do it, and you shouldn't use a formula rich. that doesn't work. That, that's rich. Tell us how not to do it. But tell us don't how, use a formula do do that doesn't work. Okay, we're not using it. It's okay. Out. Not gonna use it. So now, how are you gonna do it? 
Go, go use your mathematicians that you have at the NCA because they came up with a different formula for basketball. There are people out there who know more about it than me and come up with a different formula. So you think there should be a, a, a formula to do it? I think there could be. I don't, again, I don't know enough about it. See, but that's, that's just, it's, well, you know, that's where, that's where you fall short. No, I'm not falling it's short. Fine. It's fine saying, it's so fine you saying, think you should use it? Do no, you I did not say that, but I'm saying, okay, if that's fine, you're saying we can't use it. Then what are we using to compare these teams? I'm not saying we're using it or we should use okay. it, but what is the way that you're going to compare teams? Okay, go watch the games. That's what we've talked about. Of course, of course, of course. Go watch the games. But so are you arguing to use it or not use it? Because I can't. No, I'm just saying it's it's just so convenient for you to sit on here and hammer the thing because I I don't disagree with you, but you can't have it both ways. You can't say we're not. No, you can't. We can't. We're not doing the RPI, but yet we also don't know what we're using. Well, you you have four or five different criteria that you're supposed to use. Just take all based on all based on the RPI though. Uh, most of them. They're not all based on. The yeah. RPI. Okay. So winning. Oh no, that's the that's the age percentage. old argument. Yeah, the age old argument to me is they say okay, it's the whole body of work, blah blah blah, right. and we're looking at these criteria. The criteria they use all go back into the RPI. Yes, that's right. So that's exactly they're all based right, right. on the RPI. Yes. So Straight that's why when the bids that's come one. out, yeah. Yep. When the bids come out, they all look just like the RPI. Well, the secondary stuff is all the criteria that leads into the RPI math formula. This is on a normal year. And Matt, so you, Matt, you don't so think all that matters. Pick, you don't think you could pick the teams without the RPI. I do think we can. Yes. Oh, oh well, then don't use it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I do think like when you're getting down to the last few, how difficult is that going to be? It's going to be really hard. Really difficult. Really hard. So, because you're kind of poo-pooing like, oh, the committee, they should just pick the teams. But you need something to compare, something to use. I agree with what Brian's saying when you look at it, like strength of schedule. How's that based on? You are a company man. RPI. I'm not at all. You are a company man. I am not at all. But but what Brian's saying is correct. All of the other parameters are based off the RPI. So how do you do now, I, I don't I, I'm sitting here th- saying how are we going to be able to do it? I'm asking that question is, and you don't have an answer. So you you have an answer how not to do it, but you don't have an answer on how to do it. I know I told you I, the three of us could sit here and do it. Oh, we could do it almost right now. You could get uh, where there's you're 100%. within five teams. Of it the ain't bubble. that hard. Right, no, for sure. No, I think not. you can get within five or ten teams, but then pick the last five again. It's just always going to be controversial. It's convenient for Mr. Mr. Big Shot to sit here and say, oh, I can't use this, no, can't no, use no. that. You're Mr. But Big Shot. But there's no, there's no answer on how to do it. You're, you're no, sticking up uh, for the man, you know? Uh, I just think – I listen, I can say this. Come uh, – when is the selections like uh, – what is it, April 18th or something like that? I'm changing my cell phone on April 19th. I promise you that. Please. Can you do it before then? Well, it's five weeks. And if you think about it, if you looked at the RPI last week, it was closer to reality than this week because we had three, four, five conferences start playing again. And now we got all these 2-0 and teams who, you know, the sample size is so small. The big thing to me was, is if the NCAA is really going to release the RPI next week, it's going to be embarrassing, you know, to people who know soccer. If you released this week's RPI and you said legitimately that Western Michigan and is number one, 
and UT Martin is number three, and Eastern Michigan is number four, and Kent State is number seven, and Long Island's number eight, and Loyola Maryland's number nine, which all might end up being great teams. But you couldn't even get those coaches to come on and say, hey, we're anywhere near the top 40 in the country. Well, well, hey, well, uh, well, you think Western Michigan will put a release out that they're number one team in the RPI? Heck, yes, fun. they will. I hope they will, for their sake. That'd be a would great you, idea. Chris, Chris, would you? If SMU is number one in the country in the RPI, would you put a release out? No, I would not. Why not? Because I think the RPI is a joke. <laughs> <laughs> well, now SMU's got a huge advantage because they haven't played a game yet. So yeah, yeah, in yeah. in yeah, week eight, yet. if they play, yeah, in week eight, if they play a game and win and go one and zero, they're going to be number one, undefeated, baby. <laughs> Chris is just playing possum right now with us. He's going to. He's, he's oh, really. That's the thing. He's got it all figured out. That's why he's not telling us. That's why he's not telling us how to do it because he's got it figured out. He's waiting for the big splash. Hey, I wanted to uh, <laughs> I wanted to make sure we uh, acknowledged um, a milestone here. Uh, Jan Rockwood from BYU, four hundred wins, which is a you know a, a big number, and yes, um, she's such a been such a good coach and a classy person, and done such a wonderful job uh, in her career. So I wanted to make sure we mentioned that. Brian, yeah, and that's not a, this is four hundred. We can, and 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 that's not done lightly. You know, the WCC no. is no joke, and no. her non-conference schedule every year, she's playing everybody anywhere. Back when I was at LSU, we had a really hard te- time getting teams to come down to the bayou, and we did two home and aways with yeah. Jen, yeah. where yeah. she's willing to come out if you'll return to her. She played Southern Cal and UCLA this this spring, as an example. That's played not Missouri. an easy – Went to Missouri on a, in a February yeah. night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it's not a light four hundred. You know, going there, oh, it's, it's the tough. hardest. Oof. What, where's tougher to play than uh, BYU for those of us who've been there? It's awesome. Yeah. It's a huge home field advantage. Yeah, it really is. A great crowds and 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 enthusiastic and and that kind of thing. So, okay, Absolutely. Brian, what do you got for team your team of the week? Oh, that is a great question. Um, oh, so I, I'm going to tell you, Chris. I am prepared. prepared. Yes, oh, I, have, I have a couple sorry. options. I do it. <laughs> Thank you very much, Coach Mott. Um, you know, because of the conference they play in, not necessarily, I mean, traditionally, Oregon State's not a power, but as Chris touched on to begin with, you know, between the Big Ten and the Pac 12, we've got one unbeaten team, right? Yeah. And UCLA's backs were against the wall. They're in overtime against Oregon State. And uh, the ability to stay unbeaten—that's my team of the week. I think that that's a good one. I, you know, I, I had thought about that one for sure. And and, but that's a team that uh, man, they are good up front. They are really, really good up front. You know, tough to deal with. Um, my team of the week is Rutgers. Rutgers wow. wins uh, against uh, Michigan State and Ohio State. It gives them, you know, their as we mentioned, they're they're tied with Penn State um, at the top of the big uh, of the Big Ten, but they beat Penn State early on, so they have the inside track to win the league at, at the moment. Um, and you know they've been good over the last number of years. They typically are a team that's um, really hard to score against, really difficult to score against. But I I think they have some firepower this year. So uh, for me, it was Rutgers. That's a good one as well. And I really think in the Big Ten right now. Because of that parity, only Penn State and Rutgers really look like 
you know, quasi locks halfway through their season for uh, NCAA tournament pits. It, it's, it's fascinating. I mean, you could really see the big 10 come out of this. And if, if either of them falters, you're starting to get close to the, you know, the possibilities of a one team league, if they all finish five and five, but for right now, I, you know, I think Rutgers Penn state look really good in the big 10. Yeah. Except the RPI doesn't agree with that. So. Oh, the big Ten's in trouble on the RPI. They're all going to beat each but other. That's okay with Matt because there's no other way to do it. So, you know, let's just kick them out. I, I, I agreed with you on the RPI. I'm just asking you, how else do you do it, Chris? How else do you do it? Hey, let's, before we get back to that, because that could go on for another hour. Brian, quick question for you. What extreme, mm-hmm. extreme sport would you excel at? <laughs> you know, the first thing I thought, I thought Chris was going to say, and I don't know if this qualifies. I'm not an extreme sports guy either. I don't think they're actually sports. So let me preface oh, it with that. Ouch. Are they not athletes? Uh, I mean, Come that's, on, bro. that's really athletic what they're doing. Well, it's super. I mean, it's it's fantastic, but I'm I'm not sure I consider golfers athletes either. I'm a hundred meter dash and NBA player athlete guy. I'm a genetics one on it. But I thought Chris was going to say, and I don't even think it's an extreme sport. I just think it's an odd sport. I thought I thought uh, Chris was going to say like ultimate frisbee. Can't you see Chris? Nineteen eighty six, Greensboro. Sport. No, I'm talking about Chris and his. Nineteen eighty six at Greensboro. He's got his shirt off. He's on the quad. He's got his fluorescent umbros. He's chasing down the frisbee that Eddie's thrown to him. You know, deep. Um, that, totally. That's fun that with uh, UNCG. <laughs> that's our age bracket extreme sport, isn't it? It's not half pipe. It's frisbee uh, ultimate frisbee. Yeah, that's true. Ultimate frisbee. That's Brian, right. wouldn't yours be like? Uh, wouldn't yours be like uh, those guys that run like fifty miles or hundred miles a day? Oh, yeah, the yeah. That's you. The ultra, yeah, it ultra would marathon. be like ultra marathoner. It would. That is very true, Matt. Yeah. I think What's that's yours, a good Matt? How, hey, how many steps in this? How many steps in this uh, today, Brian? How many steps you get in today? Um, my little apple thing. Probably in season, I'm about forty two ish a day, maybe forty four thousand steps. I don't think no, I touch forty two thousand steps in a week. Right, Matt, what's your extreme sport? Yeah, my I think you know. I think I'd be one of those snow, uh, the um, snowmobile drivers that jump the stuff. That looks pretty cool. You ride the snowmobile, you jump up the ramps and stuff. That looks pretty cool. Yeah, Why can't I do that, Chris? Why are you making it look like you can't do that? I can do that every bit as much as you can do flips and flops on the half pipe. Let's keep it real. Where, where does like uh, and Matt, don't get offended by this. Here we go. Do this, your thing. Here we go. Where does like Nathan's hot dog eating contest come in <laughs> with extreme sports? Is that one? You know, this is what's what, what's ridiculous, Brian. Is you would probably beat me in that. The fat guys do not win that contest. Look at the guy; he's skinny. That's he's true. Skinny. That's true. Let me ask you this, Brian. When was the last time you ate a hot dog? Oh, at a baseball game. That's where I break all the rules. Oh. I will go to a baseball game live. I'm going to eat a hot dog for sure. There, hot dog and beer at a baseball game. I'm American. There's nothing more American. Okay. Do you get, than... you get the side of fries? Oh, no. Are you crazy? No I, it's only, only When was the so last much. time you had a French fry? Nine, speaking of 1986, <laughs> I'm going to guess. Same time Chris was yeah, playing Ultimate same. Frisbee with Eddie. <laughs> Okay, yeah. we, we need to wrap this up, but I do yeah. want, I do want to say this. Matt did pick an extreme sport where he sits down and rides a snowmobile. Okay. <laughs> no, those guys are standing up, Chris. They're jumping. It's, it's no joke. I'm going to send you a picture of it. 
All right, All right Brian. Thanks Thank again. You, Brian. As usual, we got our buddy James coming on. You know, James. I'm excited. I'm excited to hear James. He's got an awesome path, and I am. I am uh, very interested. I, I'm hoping he tells one of his chocolate stories because we've been we talking go. about food a lot, yeah, and uh-huh. this guy can leave a room just crying. Yeah. It is hilarious. So hopefully, That's it's good. a good time. Yeah. Thanks, Brian. See you, boys. All right, Brian. Okay, Chris, excited to bring in our uh, our next guest on the list, our good buddy right down the road from me now, James Armstrong from uh, the head coach at the Mississippi State Bulldogs. James, welcome to CSN. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, Chris. Uh, big fan of the show and uh, looking forward to talking to you guys. Yeah, glad so, to have you in. Glad to yeah, have you so in. You've been begging course. us to be in forever, so you know <laughs> we finally got to you, right? That was before I saw the uh, the Hall of Famers that keep coming in, and then all of a sudden you drop you drop me in. So, a little nervous about that. All I know, James, I want to start with this: How many other Ole Miss coaches are going to have the Mississippi State coach on their podcast? I would think zero, zero. I think, I think yeah, that's, that's just how safe, I do. You know, safe I, I give, mm-hmm. I'm such a giver, such a giver. Anyway, uh, let's go. Let's go, James. First thing we always do is, is you know, we like to talk about your path and of all the people we've had on yours is, is as interesting as anyone's, I think. So why don't you give us a little background and how, how you kind of started in the college game, how you got over here. And then certainly as you, uh, you made your way up to, to Mississippi state. Yeah. Like you said, it, it is an interesting story and I'll keep it as brief as I can. Uh, I graduated from the university of Edinburgh in Scotland. I uh, got a master's in history and politics and had absolutely no idea what I wanted to do, um, but I thoroughly enjoyed my sophomore year as an exchange student at the University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill. Um, I met a very good friend there by the name of Forrest Eber, who I know Chris is, is uh, Chris knows very well. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was packing up my apartment at Edinburgh after my senior year, uh, the landline rang in, in my apartment and unbeknownst to me, I, I decided to answer it. I don't know why, because I was closing my door and it was Forrest, and uh, he said, hey, you know, I, I'm working uh, in Chicago for the United States Soccer Federation, um, and I got a spare room, so if you ever want to come over, uh, feel free. Um, so I worked that summer and, and made enough money to, to head on out there around September time and, uh, you know, kind of just didn't know how long I was going to stay for. Um, two days into my stay in Chicago, I met a, a lady by the name of Heather Wallace and got talking to her and uh, – she said that she was the, the coordinator for the U19 women's national team. And uh, it was the inaugural uh, Youth World Cup. And uh, she said she was looking, they were looking for an equipment manager. And I had no idea kind of what the job entailed or anything along those lines. And she kind of just said, look, you know, we're going to be going to Germany, Sweden, Trinidad and Tobago, Holland. The World Cup's going to be in Canada. Um, you know, we kind of need somebody that can come in and be a male practice player and uh, set up cones and, and do laundry. And I'm ashamed to say it, but I'd never really done my own laundry at that time. I was that college guy that would take all of their clothes home and mum would wash them. So it was a little nerve wracking. But uh, I went out to Chula Vista uh, Training Center, Olympic Training Center, and it blew my mind away. You know, uh, Tracy Leone, Smitty and Karen were the coaches uh, of that team. And just how professional that setup was, how uh, great the, the female players were, because I hadn't really had that much experience with female soccer, women's soccer back in England. And, and it really just opened my eyes to, to, to how great, you know, the, the coaching world could be. So 
I did the U19 World Cup, which we won in Canada, um, which was an amazing experience. And then my time was kind of done. Um, so uh, I kind of had a crossroads and I did a little bit of work. I worked with Chris with the with 21s and, and did a little bit of uh, work with other teams as the, the coordinator for them. But I wasn't making enough money. So I actually got a job at J Crew on Michigan Avenue and, and then kind of nice. December time. Yeah, J Crew. Um, December time was, was kind of a, a tough time and it was where it looked like I was going to go back to England. And uh, I got a call from, from U.S. Soccer saying that they, uh, they needed somebody for the full team World Cup. Uh, 2003, it was going to be in China at the time. And, uh, you know, I think April Heinrichs, who was the head coach, was, was a little reluctant at first. You know, I was still young and she saw it as, uh, you know, being a lot different dealing with youth players than the personalities of Mia Hamm and Brandy Chastain and Christine Lilly and, and all of those kind of things. But they gave me a, a chance and I went to China um, in January for the Four Nations tournament. And thankfully, the players and, and staff decided that they were going to give me the job for that World Cup. Um, so did that. Um, and then it was another crossroads. And U.S. soccer had actually decided they were going to move the equipment room to the, uh, the Home Depot Center, as it was called then. It's StubHub now. And so I, I didn't want to move to California, um, even though the Olympics was coming up in 04 in Greece. And so I called Smitty, who just going backwards, he was the U19 assistant coach and kind of he was my mentor back then. And he said he was uh, in the process of starting a new club in Austin, Texas called Lone Star Soccer Club. And uh, he gave me my first opportunity. I'd done some coaching badges through U.S. soccer. I'd done my C license and my B by that point. And, uh, and he gave me the opportunity and it was an unbelievable apprenticeship for me. You know, I did boys, I did girls, coaching the ECNL, did the junior academy, did the Premier League and, and really kind of where did a little bit of everything um, and spent 10 years there um, and loved it. Some amazing coaches um, from all different parts of the world. Um, you know, both of you had children that played for Lone Star, so you obviously know how good it was back then and still is. Um, so did that. And then um, I was coaching an ECNL event in uh, Dallas and Karen Hopper came up to me on the sidelines and said that uh, Amy Burberry had just accepted a, a position um, at Indiana. So she had an opens, uh, open assistant position. And would I be interested? Um, and I said, yeah, I would absolutely be interested. So she flew me in and, and I remember walking on campus at Auburn and seeing all the facilities and just saying that, you know, the college game is absolutely what I want to get into. Um, and once again, thankfully, she gave me the opportunity and uh, got, the, uh, got the chance to work under somebody that has run such an unbelievable program for so many years. And she was great with me. Um, be a head coach and um, thoroughly appreciate all the efforts that she made um, in that time. And then we had some great runs. You know, we made the, the Sweet 16, made the Elite Eight, made the NCAA tournament, um, I think every year but one. And then uh, when Mississippi State came open, they, they reached out to, to Karen and myself. And uh, it was an opportunity I couldn't pass up, you know, and uh, called, you know, a number of people that, that mean a lot to me. Their opinion means a lot to me. Obviously, I called yourself, Matt, and yourself, Chris, and uh, – once I came on campus, I knew that this was a, a place that I wanted my family to come to and a program that was definitely going places. So being here for a couple of years now and 
loving every minute of it. It's um, it is a unique, it's a unique path, right? I mean, um, very few people go from kit man to, you know, <laughs> division one uh, head coach, right? So it, it, it is quite unique. Um, and, and, and I really, I think, all of us appreciate guys who work their way up and, and, you know, put their time in and things like that, which is certainly something that you've done, but I want to ask you a little bit about your time with a national team. And so you, you, you mentioned they needed someone to play, right? Yeah. So, um, I mean, be honest now, how'd you do when you were playing? They were a lot who better yelled than at you the most. <laughs> who, sorry, say that again, Chris, who yelled at you the most when you were playing? Oh, when I was playing, um, Heather O'Reilly with the 19s was definitely uh, the most vocal. Uh, Kerry Hanks, if you remember Kerry (laughs) Hanks, she was always saying that I fouled her and all these kind of things. Um, And then you name it, on the the full team, Brandy, Mia, Julie Fowdy, and Brianna Scurry. Oh, you did not want to be centre-back with Brianna Scurry behind you. You made a mistake. So did they want you on their team, or were you the guy they didn't want on, on their team? <laughs> I'd like to think they wanted me on their team, but if, if truth be told, I, I think that I was probably close to bottom in, in terms of being fit, that's for sure. I will say that the, the playing part was never bad, but the worst part was being a linesman. Yeah. Um, you know, you couldn't get it right. I mean, if, yeah, if you called it offside, Mir would hammer you. And then if you said it was onside, you'd have Brandy and Joy Fawcett. I mean, you you literally learned a, a great deal of appreciation for what those uh, lines people must go through on a, on a regular basis. And, and also, you know, I, I think for you as you're, you know, growing up in, in the game and, and, and maturing in the game and things like that, like that competitive level, that you saw day in and day out, I would think still has an impact on you. Absolutely. I mean, growing up, um, I didn't have a professional coach until I I played in college. Um, And even then, you know, there's no varsity sports over there. So you train three times a week, play once a week. And, you know, a lot of times it's a little bit of tactics, but it's mostly just a, a kick around. And then you get into the professionalism of, of how every team was run, you know, not just the, the full national team, but the 19s, the 21s. I mean, it was, it was incredible, not just the facilities, but the level that these females played at and the pace of the game, um, you know, the intricacies of the coaching staffs. And, and also what was really neat was how different each coaching staff ran their own program. You know, I thought that was really interesting. Um, you know, I, I had the pleasure of working with the 16s, the 19s, the 21s, the full team. I went on a couple of men's trips with the 16s and the 18s there. And it was just really neat to see how each coach was different, but brilliant in their own way. Great. All right, James, next question for me is talk to us now, right? You, you, you worked with those, like you just said, the national teams and, and all those different types of coaches. Now you got to transition to the club game and Smitty and Jim Wayne and people like that. How was that? What was that like working with, with all what those a crew guys? that was, by the way. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Joking aside, you could never put a crew like that together anymore. I mean, the, the no different personalities, coaching styles, uh, all unbelievable coaches just once again, did it in a different way. But uh, 
yeah, it was uh, it was a lot of fun. Um, but it was serious at the same time, you know. When all those guys were there, we were we were starting at Lone Star Soccer Club back then. It's it's crazy to think of, but when I first moved there, there, there was pockets of all these different little clubs, and all of a sudden, this huge merger happened um, on the boys and the girls side. So, you know, Smitty and and Don and Sean and and all those guys that were part of bringing all those different personalities and clubs together. Um, was really unique in a sense as well. But yeah, a, a lot of fun. But, uh, you know, we had to have immediate success in order for, for the merger to work. So it was, uh, it was very interesting. You basically took over, you took over Austin is what you did. It was, yeah. you know, you conquered it. The big takeover. Yeah. <laughs> it was fast as well. I mean, yes. yeah. it was like a domino effect. Yeah, for sure. Um, how about... Uh, what do you see now? You know, you had this transition where you're an assistant coach for, for a long time and, and now you get to sit in the big chair, right? Tell us about the, uh, what you see as sort of the differences in the transition and, and things like that from going, you know, as an assistant coach to a head coach. I think, I think the biggest difference is just the amount of paperwork you have to do and, and the amount of times that you don't actually get to think too much about soccer. Um, you know, when, when you're an assistant coach, the beauty of it was, you know, Karen did a, a, an unbelievable job of letting me think about soccer and, and letting me recruit, you know, the two things that are the most enjoyable parts of, of our job. Um, now, all of a sudden, you've got scheduling, you've got uh, travel, you've got compliance and, and all those kind of things. There's, there's always something, right? And, uh, you know, you go home and, and any problems, you know, they, they're going to come to you. They're going to come and fall on your desk. Um, so I think that's why I'm really fortunate to have an unbelievable staff um, with Nick Zimmerman and, and Brian Dunleavy that, that can really help me. You know, uh, there's times where I can't think as much about soccer as I would like. Um, but I know that, you know, they understand what we're trying to do and, and they're brilliant at it, you know. So I think that's the biggest difference, though, Chris. It's yeah. a good answer. Um, okay, so let's go back as your assistant coaching life um, when you were at Auburn and you um, spent a lot of time at Montevallo with, with Chris and I. Um, and uh, the question I have for you, James, is tell us what is your favorite or most fond memory from good old regional camp? Wow, you're going to ask me for just one? Um, <laughs> there's a lot of fond memories from Montevallo. I think, I, can I give you two and you can choose sure. when you like that? Sure, sure. The time where... Matt, Matt and I, I was Matt's assistant at the time. Um, we'd done such a great job in getting ahead of our work that uh, we decided that we would help two other coaches that were in at the time, Joe Malia and Robin Comfort. They seemed to be a little bit behind the, the selection process. Than us. So we thought we would go to a field that happened to have their players playing in it and park our golf cart for a while. <laughs> which was misconstrued by most people to think that we'd actually <laughs> sat at the wrong to realize. You um, did. Tell the truth now. Tell the truth. <laughs> that, that was one fun memory. Uh, <laughs> we were maybe having our enjoy in our uh, Diet Coke and Monster at yeah. the time, just yeah, to get ready to start Almost the whole game on the wrong field. Yes. <laughs> And the, the look of Joe Malia's face when he came driving that golf cart over to tell us what he thought that we were doing wrong. Um, and then the other time, I don't even remember this, but uh, we were told 
that we were going to, of course, Matt and I got the basement, right? Because we were the least favorite coaches yeah. there of Chris's. Yeah. And we got the basement. And I was told that there's one key for this basement. <laughs> That's right. And you cannot lose it. And I, I remember I put it in the golf cart compartment. And I came back that night and it was no longer there. Sabotaged. So I think Derek yeah. Leader took it. And yeah. so I, I had to pay for that key, by the way, out of my out of the out of the salary. Um, but it, we ended up in that really small room. Do you remember that, Matt? And we yes, were all worried it about it, but it had yeah. some great recliners in it. That's a great. So it was actually, you know, it was actually great for us. Yes, you know, we yes. got the it best ended up working out well. Room. Yeah, yeah. 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 my two favorite memories. Oh, uh, yes, it's, 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 uh, lots of fond memories. Huh? There's no doubt, and yeah. you know, as crazy as regional camp is, we really did have a lot of fun. From time to time, did a lot of laughing. There's no doubt, and and quite honestly, at Joe, Joe and uh, Robin's expense was a lot of it. But uh, they were uh, they were fun to be there with them. That's for sure. It was, yeah. James, so you're famous in the um, women's soccer coaching world for your love for chocolate. Everybody who sees you was always, you know, giving you chocolate, right? So first of all, are, are you still on the chocolate kick, or are you, are you done with that? I definitely still have a sweet tooth. That that is for sure. I try to uh, to eat less chocolate, um, but I, I I've fallen off the wagon a few times. Brian Dunleavy, <laughs> my assistant, is across the hall from me, and he buys those uh, family pack, you know, the variety packs. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. When he goes home for lunch, I uh, I raid that fridge and. Uh, <laughs> I always take the Twix and the, and the Milky Way. I think he thinks the cleaning people keep stealing them. Oh, but you know my favorite story about you and chocolate, right? No. Your, your, your story about when you worked for the uh, chocolate maker? No. No. <laughs> the restaurant. We can't talk about that. Come on, you got to tell the story. It's the best story. Well, I was a, I was a dishwasher at a, at a hotel. This is, this is terrible. It's awesome. Worked, I worked as a dishwasher at a hotel and I used to have to go down to the pantry and, and get the chef, whatever he needed. And they had these big, like huge blocks of cooking chocolate. There was white chocolate and milk chocolate. And uh, I used to go down there and it, it just used to just stare at me. And I used to just, <laughs> I used to just nibble a little bit off the sides. <laughs> it's terrible. Um, you know, and made sure that, uh, I, I hid any traces as best I could, but yeah, I used to go down there a few times a day and just, you know, nibble off the sides of those big bars of chocolate. There were slabs of chocolate, not bars of chocolate. So oh, I'm ashamed to say it. Yeah. Oh, that's fantastic. Tell me about um, uh, yeah, go ahead, sorry, Chris. Tell me a little bit about uh life in a small town in the SEC. You know that you know, you moved you know, obviously you moved you were in Chicago, you we're in LA for a little bit. You were uh, in Austin and then you end up in, in Auburn and, and now in Starkville. Like those are different environments. Yes. Yes. Um, I grew up in a really small town though. I grew up in a, actually a village, not even a town in, in England. So uh, I kind of went small to really big and, and now obviously back to a, a smaller town. And I know a lot of people are going to say this, but my family and I absolutely love the community here we have more friends here in starkville after two years than we have anywhere else that we've lived uh together um just neighbors uh we're members at a country club and just such down-to-earth people that genuinely care um you know we had an ice storm come through 
here in Starkville a couple of weeks ago. And I mean, just the amount of people that reached out to check on us and make sure that we're okay and offer their house, you know, in case we lost power. Um, it makes Starkville a unique place. And, uh, you know, my little one's growing up here. She's got tons of friends and uh, we're blessed. We, we absolutely have loved the transition um, since we've been here. I don't know anybody who uh, either went there or coached there who didn't like it. You know, the, the uh, it's got a, a certain charm to it, um, you know, that, that people just love. So it seems to me like you've, uh, you've found a great place for you, a great place for your family. Um, and, and as I was talking before, I think just very well-deserved, you know, based on, you know, the, the amount of uh, time that you've put into this thing. So um, good for you and, and happy for you, for sure. Thanks, Chris. That means a lot. Hey, James, I want to go back just a little bit. You said something early that I actually hadn't thought of. And how far was your university from your hometown in, in England? Uh, three, about four hours. Okay. Four hours north of where I'm from. Yeah. So when you say Scotland and England, I know they're close, but sometimes there can be a, a bit of a difference. So, it's very, so what made you end up there? What, 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 what drew you to that, that Edinburgh University? In all honesty, it was, a, it was a top 20 university um, at the time. It still is. When I say top 20, top 20 in the world. Um, you know, and, and back then uh, I did my A-levels and you have to submit, you know, which schools you want to go to. And the other one was a little bit closer to home. And, and growing up in a small town, I, I wanted to challenge myself um, to go and see what it was like to live in a bigger city, um, you know, away from family and friends. And, you know, I was the only person from my school that went to, to that particular college. So it was, it was like a fresh start for me, um, you know, and also not just academics, but the, the soccer piece was really good. They, they played semi-professional uh, there, which was something that appealed to me. Um, they had a professional coach, uh, whereas a lot of other schools that I looked at you know, didn't have a coach or had the players coach themselves. So, um, and it's an unbelievable city as well. You know, Edinburgh was a place that uh, my parents had visited and I'd been there once before and, and just grew in love with the place as well. So it ticked all the boxes, Matt. That's very cool. So just two more quick questions about that. So we obviously to get in that university, you're a very good student. Um, I was a good test taker. Um, I wasn't always the best student. I, I was a, I procrastinated quite a lot, which frustrated my teachers and, uh, and my parents. But uh, I was, when it came down to it, when, when crunch time came around, I, uh, I took care of business. So, and you got a degree in history and what? Politics. History and politics. So where are you on the whole Braveheart? Like, do you oh, do yeah, that's that? a good, we've had this discussion. Oh, we <laughs> have had this. Is, so well, William Wallace, you, you know. Yeah, you, William Wallace. Yeah, are you going to diss him? Is that what you you're saying? In Scotland, I just wondered. You yeah, know, this is, that was a great question. <laughs> I'm yeah, Listen, gro growing up in England, you, you do the history and everything else, right? But you have no idea the absolute genuine hatred that Scottish people have for the English. And the year, my freshman year, of course, was the year that Braveheart came out in the cinema. Mm -hmm. So you talk about a double whammy. I mean, I, most it's a totally true story. It's, it's absolute complete <laughs> fiction. Um, you know, William Wallace was not what, what William Wallace was made out to be. But uh, don't say that to any of my Scottish friends. But uh, also at the same time, England had to play Scotland in a, in a two-leg playoff to, to reach the European championships. And it was so bad 
that for the second, I watched the first round in Scotland and realized that was a big mistake. And I actually drove down to Newcastle, which was the nearest big city from Edinburgh to watch the second game, just because I, uh, even my, even my teammates that I played with were, were off the charts at that time. So Mm. It's, it's crazy that that is a genuine uh, hatred regardless of the the fact or fiction of, of william wallace yeah hey uh, and I, I we need to clear something up now for your for your friend chris hushire okay oh, yeah. um are you a liverpool fan or not i'm i'm a fan <laughs> of anybody that winds chris hushire up i think that's the best <laughs> way to put it <laughs> i mean you talk about the biggest man united fan that there is <laughs> and just so delusional. I mean, he thinks that the glory days are, are, are coming back to Old Trafford sometime soon. So yeah. I just like winding Chris up. So, and it's, as you know, both of you, it's very easy to do. Um, <laughs> yeah. So whenever the opportunity arises, I take it. Nice. Well, listen, James, we'll get you out of here with this. Um, spend a couple minutes telling us about um, Mississippi State and what you love about it and, and you know, how, how great a place it is there for you. Yeah, I mean, I, I talked about the community and, and how it's a unique place. I mean, no professional sports teams in Mississippi. There's, you know, the, the community embraces every sport. Um, I think that's uh, really neat and unique in that sense. Um, level of play. Uh, I think the SEC is right up there as, as one of the best conferences in the country. And the parity makes it, in my opinion, the most exciting league, you know, that there is. Um, we've got great facilities, great resources. Um, you know, if you if you're a, a serious student athlete, uh, you know, we've got everything that you need to be successful in the classroom um, and on the field. Um, it's a beautiful, safe campus, um, you know, very manageable in terms of getting around. Um, it's got, you know, still that big school feel, um, but, you, you know, you can walk around campus in five or 10 minutes, which is really neat. And, and it's really safe, you know. And then the, the final piece I would say is, you know, Mississippi State soccer hasn't necessarily got the richest of histories. So, you know, we're looking for players that are excited to come in and do something that's never been done before, you know. And I think that that's a really neat opportunity to come in on the front end and, and, and be remembered and, and build a legacy for yourself. So um, they're the main things that I would say, Matt. And, you know, like academically, got a number of different uh, different majors, vast amount of them. And nationally recognized so ticks all the boxes as far as we're concerned all right i just want to go on record again one more time to say when you start up a podcast i expect an invitation over to talk about doesn't he have a podcast don't you have a podcast you're on some podcast in the fall he's not been on it matt no i haven't chris have you been on it no No. i think the podcast that i'm on chris might be a little bit difficult for me to invite matt on to yeah, probably true. That's probably true. You wouldn't be invited back. That's, that's, oh. very, fair. that's very fair. All right, James, thanks so much for coming on, man. You were good yeah, just James, like we knew you great. would. We're glad you got you on. You did a great job. We yeah. uh, we enjoyed it. And certainly good luck the rest of the spring. Yeah. Good luck Thank to you. guys. Really appreciate your friendship, your mentorship, and uh, keep up the great work with this podcast. All thanks right. For me on. Thanks, James. Yeah. See, See ya. Okay, Matt. What are we uh, What are we looking forward to this week? What you got going on? Yeah, you know, actually, we're off this coming weekend, so that's uh, good. Give the players a couple of days off, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but and looking forward really to and, and I know we've we've talked a lot about this, but 
sitting back and watching a lot of games this weekend. I think all week long we'll watch games and, you know, continue, continue to try and get a handle on what the Big 12 is like and what the, the Big 10 is like. And, you know, I feel good about the ACC teams and some of those guys. But uh, And there's some really good games starting to kick up. So looking forward to that um, and, a, and a good week, a good week here around Oxford. What about you? Well, yeah, again, the games. So the, the games this week, and I always preface, preface it with maybe, you know, because yeah, yeah, yeah. in this environment, if if they're getting uh, canceled or not. But the games that stand out for me, um, Colorado, UCLA, uh, I think is one. Sure. Uh, Washington, Stanford, Washington. Yeah, they're know, rolling. Those teams, RPI yeah. is high, right? Number yeah, five. they're rolling. Yeah, they look good. Yeah. BYU Santa Clara. I mean, that's basically. Yeah. Pepperdine has something to say about it, but as far as the WCC goes, that's that's the elite, the elite group. Absolutely, great, great game. And then that's you know, be, I, I hope that one's on BYU Santa Clara. I really want to watch that. That's yeah, I think I think you might be able to find game. that on the WCC. They have a network. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, there's another one that may be a little bit uh, under the radar, but it's North Texas and and Oklahoma State. I mean, North Texas has started well, and and. Uh, Always hard to play against. Always hard to beat. Uh, we talked about Oklahoma State. This will be a game where no one wants the ball. You know, <laughs> so it'll be interesting yeah. to see how how it in, how it ends up for sure. Yeah, yeah. All right, let's do the uh, let's do the Power Five, shall we? Let's do it. Uh, and again, it's the Power Five is donuts. Your favorite donuts, and I think uh, it's a little lopsided. I think it's not really fair for this one, Chris. Honestly, but. You know, you wanted to do it. I agreed to it. So we're going to go. But again, um, you know, this is, this could be domination, but we'll see. We'll see what you come up with. We'll see how you don't it. All right. Is. We'll see. So who's going first? Uh, you can go first. All right. I like it. My number five top donut is the very simple powdered sugar donut. Plain. Plain. Very good, Chris. Plain. Very good. Simple, easy, delicious. Plain. Matt, right. you, could, you could do better than that, Matt. I mean, that, again. <laughs> oh, I've got four more. Don't you worry. I have four more. Okay, go ahead. I have the uh, old-fashioned. Yeah, you know, this is the problem with the old-fashioned. I like an old-fashioned. I mean, there's not going to be a donut you say I doubt that yeah. I don't. But they're hit or miss. They dry out very quickly. It's very important that they cook them properly. If they're not cooked properly, terrible. Dry. You got to drink a lot of milk with it or orange juice. Or something. It can be very dry and nasty. Yeah, I, you you may be right on this being domination because you uh, absolutely sound like an expert on donuts so far. <laughs> All right, my number two. Or my sorry, my number four. Number yeah. four, the chocolate donut. Yeah, I have the chocolate Everybody. donut on my list. That's okay. my that's my number three. I think that's a good okay. one. It's a good one. All right, good. Right. Your number four. I have it as the jelly or fruit filled donut. I don't, really I don't like you, know, you get the jelly like with a, like a little little uh, sugar on top, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. You get the jelly, or maybe like I, blueberry is a good one. Yeah, you know, so. I, I'm not a fan. I got to be honest. I don't. Oh, like I know it. it's fruit. Like, and then, then yeah, exactly. Why ruin? Why ruin a wonderful pastry with some fruit? There's no sense in it. No sense to it at all. You know, jelly donut I can get by, but when they start sticking all the other all stuff, right. in it, I just well, I did like say it. jelly, Matt. I said yeah, jelly. I know. I know. I still it's okay. All right, my number three. Oh, jelly's made from fruit, right? But that's okay. My number three, cinnamon twist. Very good. Cake donut. It's got the little twist in it, little cinnamon, little sugar. Big fan of it. Big fan of it. It's a cool-looking shape. Twist it all together. Oh, yeah. It's a staple. Nah. It's a staple. Nah, nah, nah. nah. All right, my number three was the chocolate covered. Okay. 
All right, my number two. Yeah. Krispy Kreme glazed donut. Yeah, Hot. I have the I have the glazed donut as my number two as well. Yeah, okay. All right. So tell you Krispy Kreme story. Yeah, you can what's that? You want to tell your Krispy Kreme story? I can if you'd like if you really want me to. If you can do it quickly. Yes. So um went to play golf with some of my buddies about 20 minutes away from where we're golfing. Was driving by, there's a Krispy Kreme store with the, the light flashing, which you know what that means, Chris. They're hot, coming yeah. hot off the hot off the, the, the press. So I stopped, got a dozen, figured we'd get, you know, three each with four of us. Got down the road, ate my first three. Before I got on the interstate, eat eight, four, five, and six. As I got off the interstate, I ate seven, eight, and nine. As I pulled into the uh, the complex, I ate 10 and 11. I pulled up, my three buddies are standing there. I said to them, hey, I got you guys breakfast. Tossed in the box, there's one donut left in it. <laughs> so I ate 11 Krispy Kreme donuts <laughs> in about uh, about 15 minutes, not even probably. Yeah, that's like eating air. They're like, they're like sugar <laughs> air. And you wonder why I have a weight problem. Anyway, all right, here we go. Here we my go. Number one, my number one is the headlight donut. I don't even know what that is. It's the donut with chocolate on the top filled with icing. Usually icing's on the top, icing in the middle. I'll send you a picture. It's fantastic. It's called a headlight. Some some people call them, uh, I don't know, there's another name for them, but it's, so it's a donut. It's got chocolate on top with vanilla icing on the inside. It's fantastic. Not okay. not the pudding I can't crap. have an opinion because I, I never had a headlight donut. Okay. But it's I fantastic. Can't. Favorite donut of all time. Well, since no one knows what you're talking about, you probably, that one's probably not going to go so well. Everybody knows. I, just because you don't know doesn't mean nobody knows, Chris. Okay. You're not the all-knowing like you want to well, believe you are the all believe. knowing when it comes to donuts. I, I You're know. damn right. Damn right. Yeah. Well, uh, there it is. There and send you a picture. There it is. You've you. seen that before. No. Okay. Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go with the apple fritter. It's fantastic. It's not a donut. What do you mean? It's not a donut. It's not a donut. Apple it absolutely not, I looked is a it donut. Up. I actually, Biebs likes it. I looked it up. It's not considered a donut. What, who decides what's a donut and what's not a donut? So like the, the international internet, donut. The internet, Chris, the internet, ever heard of it? Internet. I don't believe right. that is a donut. So Beebs is on my side on this. He is. Oh, he um, loves apple fritter. The apple fritter is the absolute. Okay, explain how apple fritter is made, Chris. I mean, how it's made. It's like a, it's like a regular donut, right? Dough that you fry. And you throw in some apple and then you put a little glaze on top. There's like apple on apple inside it, fruit yeah, inside like, it. It's not a donut. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I go tell you how you make it. You know, you know, do you know I how, to, you how to make all my donuts? You know how they make a headlight donut? Yeah, yeah. No, you, no. you take a chocolate, and you put icing in the middle, and it's heaven. All right, let's go. Let's that go. was really that was really dumb. That whole that whole segment was dumb. Yeah, this was your idea. Don't forget. One that I can dominate. Well, yeah, but anyway, you loved it. You know, you said you I were do love it. I tell you, I'm, I'm going to go get some tomorrow morning. Okay. All right. Uh, my TV suggestions, Breaking Bad, is a fantastic series. Highly recommend it. Now, I will say this. Get through the first three or four episodes. It's a little slow to start, but then it becomes just brilliant. Great, great show. And then funny, we haven't said this one yet, Friends. I still watch it almost every night. Yeah, it's me on too. Like we watch it every night. Yeah. I mean, so before I go to bed, it's on every night. So it's yeah. so good. You watch them over and over. It's a great show. Um, all right, Chris. Good. The James was funny. James and good. Was great. It's, it's good. Good yeah. time. He's got such an interesting path. Brian, of course, was wonderful. Right. Thanks, controversy. We yeah, argue, was, which is great. Our, you have RPI is, is like you controversy forever, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, thanks, DMJ Productions. 
DJM Productions. <laughs> and uh, and let's get out of here. Yeah, uh, we'll be back next week. Hopefully, better than ever. A great, a great, a great guest. Write in some questions. Write in some questions, or I get to ask Chris another question. Please, please. <laughs> All right, enjoyed it. Thanks, everybody. College Soccer Nation is out. If you have questions for Coach Petroselli or Coach Mott, you can reach them at cpetroselli at mail.smu.edu or mmott at olemiss.edu. College Soccer Nation is presented by DJM Productions and available on all your fine podcast outlets. Download it, give a review, tell a friend.